and welcome to another episode of Inspired Women Gathering. This is a show that talks about all things from life, relationships, spirituality, business, and everything in between. Women inspire me through their stories, their resilience, resourcefulness, their tenacity, and the powerful movement that we make in the world. I love connecting and having deep conversations, sharing with you the women I am so blessed to know and who inspire me, especially as we navigate through this deep unknowing in our world today. My name is Dixie Bennett and I'm your host and I'm a soulful woman and wealth coach and healer helping you live an abundant life. I created this platform to highlight amazing women who I come across and connect with and I hope you enjoy them as much as I do. I am so excited to introduce to you my wonderful next guest, one of my longtime friends, mentors, teachers, uh, Sharon Karn and her topic today is please pass the calm. Sharon Karn is the Director of Training and Development for the Sound Wellness Institute. She is an author, international speaker, sound therapist, publisher, musician, and recording artist. <laughs> From 1988 to 2016, Sharon was a faculty member to the Conservatory at Mount Royal University, where she pioneered the teaching of classical guitar to children. In 2008, her work changed direction. Sharon is the founder of Sound Wellness, the Wellness, Sound Wellness Institute, and co-founder of the Emergent Workforce Program. Through the Sound Wellness Institute, holistic health practitioners receive the highest level of competency training in Canada in using sound and music to support their practice. The Emergent Workforce Program is dedicated to restoring well-being, community, purpose, creative collaboration, and kindness to the workforce while supporting the financial goals of the organization. When we are making a purposeful contribution, our lives are filled with passion, creativity, inspiration, compassion, and well-being. So thank you so much for being here, Sharon, welcome. Thank you so much for inviting me, Dixie. I'm absolutely thrilled and delighted to be a guest of yours on your show. Oh, beautiful, well, thank you, thank you for saying yes. Um, Sharon and I first, I think we kind of started our businesses roughly around the same time. Well, I know you said 2008 for you and um, I launched mine in 2011. And I know that you said that, I think it was, well, 2008 was when you, you shifted gears into your business. So tell me a little bit about what was that awakening moment or that time when you just decided that something, something more was ready to come out of you? Oh, well, it was probably, it, it was a long process, Dixie. <laughs> With one, one moment after another, it was like a string of moments, like beads on a necklace. And uh, that gradually brought me, there were specific moments that were big shifts in my direction. And uh, before 2004, I guess, is when I started uh, really traveling to the United States and studying sound healing, sound therapy. I had been doing a lot of other energy medicine studying before that. And I had been feeling since about 2004, there were other big shifts in my life. And uh, with a, a performing partner, a flute, and I had a flute and guitar duo, and she moved at the beginning of 2004, and everything else in my life started blossoming as far as building the path towards sound wellness. So it was, uh, and also an internal feeling that something was shifting, seeing some of these other things happening and something something was shifting with my teaching because I had a, a more than a 30-year career of teaching very successfully, a very full teaching studio, and yet there was something moving and something shifting in me that I knew was was going to manifest somehow. The final step happened in 2007, the, towards the end of the year, and I received a phone call from out of the blue from the director of the Integrative Health Institute at Mount Royal University. And she asked me to create a program in a study on stress. And I was thrilled because I had completed a bunch of sound healing training, enormous amount of research, personal research. And so I created the program, delivered it to my group of volunteers, and then uh, the last day, they're surrounding me saying, this was amazing. I loved it. It helped so much. How do I learn more? And I had nothing to tell them, nothing to tell them. And so I guess that hit home. A month later, I created Sound Wellness. 
and uh, we offered our first program two months after that <laughs> and it has been an, an amazing amazing evolution since then a lot of learning it's a big learning curve having your own business mm -hmm. and uh but it, that was that was that study was a big step that helped me realize that all of those years of music training music performing music teaching was preparation for what i'm doing now which is my true soul work my my step into that finally it just took a long time but that's okay it doesn't matter the important thing is that i listened i guess mm -hmm. yeah I, I love that well and i think you know you are one of the most um you're so dedicated to your craft like you live and breathe music you live and breathe um you know i just i love watching you go through the journey as well since i've known you and all the things that you create and what you do what would you say is keeps you motivated and dedicated to just keep going and keep going deeper that's a really good question because there are a lot of times when things have not been going well where i've asked the question why the am i doing this <laughs> and and then I, whenever I ask that question of my heart, I, I, I start listening because when you ask your heart a question, you'll get an answer if you're listening. And every single time I've asked that question, Dixie, I hear the answer, don't stop. Don't you dare stop. This is your path. It's all okay. All is well. It's not feeling well, but I hear all is well and I go, okay. <laughs> And then I go into my own spiritual practice that shifts my vibration. I'll play the bowls or I'll play the drum or I'll do some mantra then then to help me shift out of that to to say uh, and, and no matter what, I made a promise to the universe years ago. I stood on top of the biggest hill, one of the biggest hills in Calgary and I said, I promise. I will walk the journey my soul wants to walk in this lifetime. I've spent who knows how many lifetimes messing it all up, well, learning a lot, but not walking the soul's journey. And I said, that's my priority. And so when I hear that, all is well, and don't you dare stop, I know I'm on my soul's path. It's not easy. It is easy sometimes, but there are other times when it's not. So that's important to me to walk my soul's path so i'm still here <laughs> <laughs> yes you absolutely are um you know and i see you you know you, you've shown up sick you are so dedicated like you show up every single week you show up um i know sharon has a, a chakra chakra toning every sunday um and i know many of my clients and many of the people in my circles also you know we tune in and everyone can't say enough about it um, and especially in, in our group. So one of the things that we've been doing is mantra, mantra toning for, um, I think we started back in October, October, November, November, um, as group, November is a group. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it's, I, I decided 2020 was going to be my year of mantra and Sharon introduced this, um, this group to me. And I just thought, you know what? Yes, I so want to do this. So I would really love for you to describe because it's one of the, um, I've so been enjoying it, especially going through this un uncomfortable time. But I want you to, because some people are like, oh, what is mantra? What does that mean? Um, I would love for you to describe what, what mantra means and, and then toning mantra and what, and what does that mean and, and how does it work together? Oh, cool. Thank you. I love this question <laughs> because I've been steeped in mantra lately and it's helped support me so much in this challenging time. Mantra is a tuning fork um, and it's a tuning fork in a lot of different ways. Mantra uses mostly Sanskrit language. It can use other languages. Mostly the ancient mantra from India uses Sanskrit. Now Sanskrit is a really interesting language because there are 50 letters in the Sanskrit language. 
and there are 50 petals on our chakras from the root chakra to the third eye the crown doesn't count because it has a thousand or more so 50 50 letters 50 petals on our chakras every single letter in the sanskrit word will vibrate one of those petals so we have a language that is energetically based to support the human being with how it supports your chakras so it's a tuning fork depending on the words you're using and the intentions you're using to tune your vibration to a specific intention or result so our group has been focusing on the abundance mantra because soul work right now is absolutely essential to step into and and so the abundance mantra helps and and what i'm finding and maybe you too probably dixie for me it has created enormous clearing of old thought patterns all kinds of things holding me back and also brought an amazing opportunities i never would have thought of and so i'm so grateful for this practice because not only has it been supporting me physically and energetically it's been tuning every single day when i use a mantra it's been tuning me to the vibration of abundance and so another thing i've been offering to people is the medicine buddha mantra to tune people to the the healing power of the medicine buddha and tune people to the energy of healing so there's so many different kinds of mantras that are worthy of exploring and um, so those are important things about mantra i'm just trying to think if there's is there anything else you can think of that uh -huh. Well, tell me a little bit more about even just why rep the repetition. Talk about the repetition of mantra because that's a really important piece too. And then also, yeah, start with that. <laughs> that's actually pretty cool too. There's 108 beads on a mala. I have one here that's kind of hard to get at, but there's another one. Maybe I'll bring it over. This is the mala that I've been using with the Medicine Buddha chanting. Um, so the mala has 108 beads it has one kind of power bead uh, this is the 109th bead that you don't count when you're chanting now the repetitions why 108 well it's so interesting these have been around for thousands of years it's so interesting that they knew somehow that there are 108 etheric channels from your heart chakra into your energy field so every time you repeat a mantra you're sending energy into one of these one of these um energy energy lines so one of these energy channels so as you go through 108 then you have sent energy into every single one of these channels into your energy body now in the practice my favorite practice is to go around the mala moving the beads away from the the meru bead so with each repetition so that this represents giving away or releasing anything that doesn't serve you and then when you get all the way around to the marrow bead in some traditions because the marrow holds the energy of all of these repetitions then it's believed that you don't cross over it when you're counting because then it can i guess it doesn't hold as much energy if you do that um, so when I get to the Meru, then I do it again 108 times with bringing the beads towards me. See if I can, you can see them moving towards me. And that represents attracting the energy that will serve me or, um, no, no, the other word. But, yes, pulling in energy that will serve totally yeah it's a fascinating practice and it's um something that has been rekindled in my life with ahana lara and her invitation to create this group where we practice daily 
and support each other in our practice and an ongoing practice because if you keep it up every day you continue to build the energy more and more and more hence you're bringing more opportunity to yourself and also more healing so it's been it's been an interesting time enormous shifts for me with this practice and i'm very grateful to have something that grounds me and tunes me to abundance even midst all of the things that are going on now mm-hmm. absolutely i think there's i've really enjoyed the practice because i'm a huge advocate for fo- looking for abundant evidence right and so i love that in our in our group what we you know we do our gratitude journals we set everything out and then we come back and review at the end of our cycle um exactly you know the different things that we had the the opportunities experiences we kind of celebrate as we go along the way and that's one of the most important things is to recognize abundant evidence that's coming to you whether it's thoughts or ideas and and i track them every day in my gratitude journal because you know we go through so many cycles i've been doing cycles of 40 personally and then with the group uh, with Sharon, we've been doing a, a 30 cycle um, together. And so I'm kind of doing two cycles um, t- simultaneously. And um, and one of the things I've really noticed different, because when I w- used to do mantra, like I've always been a, a student of mantra and I've just kind of dabbled, you know, I've done 90 day cycles, 120 day cycles um, in the past, just kind of focused on one thing. But this has been a continuous, I really am loving and enjoying it, um, doing the two side by side. And I've also, you know, I before I never used to do the two-way beads. I, now doing the two-way, I just feel the energy has shifted um, immensely. And uh, and I, it's it's fun. It's just, it's. Uh, I find that I sing, I find that, and I just kind of let myself go with it too. Like we we also use tuning forks, um, and we tone to the to the sound. Um, do you want to talk a, a little bit about why we tone to to the tuning fork sounds? Oh sure. I I just wanted to also mention in in uh, the doing this in the group is that it amplifies the energy when you when you are using mantra as an individual practice you're becoming a tuning fork to the energy of those words and when you do it in a group it's like taking taking this individual practice and it does this it amplifies it which is just so much fun mm-hmm. so the tuning forks is interesting uh each sound of the tuning fork so we did two a couple of months in the group i think to tuning our mantra practice to 256 hertz which is what i also did with the medicine buddha chanting that uh i offered through our sound wellness stuff and 256 hertz is a beautiful frequency that's well grounded and tuned to the frequencies of the earth so it will help ground you it will help ground intentions a little bit more powerfully i feel with using that frequency and then we've been exploring and playing with some of the solfeggio frequencies so we did 30 days on 174 hertz which is the grounding of well it's the movement of spirit into matter so it's like it's taking your soul your spirit your soul purpose and making a channel for it to find its way into the physical body because this is where we do our soul work it's in this body it's not out there somewhere it's right here in this this physical form so as we allow this soul purpose or this soul energy to come more into the body it supports us with uh hmm inspiration or hmm did you ever think of this oh who said that (laughs) so and then we've been exploring 200 285 hertz which is grounding spirit into matter and so we're just kind of exploring those powerful solfeggio energies with our chanting to combine the energies of the words with a specific frequency that will support our work our soul work that's kind of why we're all in the group we all have a purpose and this helps support that mm-hmm. yes i love that and it's so true like doing it versus the individual with the group i've noticed 
definitely a, a bigger opening and possibilities like opportunities have been coming faster um and and just having access to the group has been really really powerful just to keep the vibrations high um you know just because i think like anything else we all have good and, and bad days and i do my i do my repetitions and the chants regardless of the day of how i'm feeling um and sometimes i procrastinate <laughs> um but i find once i do it it just clears it clears everything i feel more lifted i feel more buoyant i feel more vibrant um and i sleep better like that's a, definitely another piece too i usually do mine before i go to bed um and i might do a round in the morning depending but um, you know, what I was sharing earlier was, you know, doing two rounds versus the, the single round, um, really amplified the energy. And I've also been yeah. playing around with some different, um, you know, I've been holding, doing the Lakshmi one consistently. And then I've also been adding in a second one. So I've been doing the Buddha mantra for the last 40 day cycle. I'm just finishing a 40 day right now. Mm -hmm. And I keep tuning in and asking like, what, what is a good partnership, um, to use other mantras along with Lakshmi and and the abundance uh, mantra. Um, and each one carries such different energy. It's just been really interesting, exciting to experience. Um, and some of them have been so powerful. I've really felt the shift, like I've felt the breaking down, felt the breaking of the walls or, or belief systems. Um, like it's really, really interesting work. And I'm just curious because I know what I would love to hear your opinion about because um, I've had some people that I talk to where they do the mantras in their head. They're not doing it verbally. Um, and I've tried both like I've I've done both, but I really love especially being a student of sound therapy. Um, I really have learned to love using my voice and I now love hearing the tones of my voice and just being playful with it and creative. So tell me why it's a more important to, or what your view is on doing matches verbally versus doing them inside your head. This is such an important question, I feel, Dixie. Uh, and here we're dealing, when you're doing mantras non-verbally in your head, this is the energy of thought. Mm -hmm. And the energy of thought, we all know, is very powerful. However, it's of, of a vibration that doesn't necessarily move our molecules. Mm. Sound itself is a physical energy. In order for sound to move, it has to push against atoms to reach, if it's pushing against atoms to reach from the speakers of, of my computer to your computer, then to your ears, it's, it has an electrical signal while it's in transit. And then once it manifests in your room, then it's pushing against the air molecules to reach your eardrums. When you use sound on the physical body, it's pushing your atoms and molecules. So it creates wave after wave after wave of vibration. And thought creates waves in different ways, not necessarily in the physical body the way sound does. So when you combine thought with sound, they're both powerful, you have a formula for expanding uh, the energy of the change or the shift or the intention you're trying to create because the sound singing it or saying it out loud moves your atoms in wave after wave after wave after wave uh, as long as you're chanting the mantra so you're moving all of your molecules like this when you stop then they have the opportunity to reset and re and go back to normal natural patterns that's in a large part how sound works. Shakes everything up <laughs> and then the body goes, oh, good, I let go of all that stuff. Now I can go back to where, where I can operate normally. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that description. One of the, it brought me back to thinking back to one of our classes that we did where we were measuring sound with our voice and we were actually seeing the sand move into a beautiful print um, and how each one of us had a very different, different print, right? For each one of our voice sounds. Um, so I, I luckily took a picture of mine at the time and I was just, I'm still fascinated with that. You know, I'm just seeing how, how sound does shift into different, different 
pictures, right? So I always just imagine in my body that as I'm working with sound, that my inner picture is actually shifting as well. Totally, totally. Yeah, and we all know from Masaru Emoto's work how powerfully sound and thought energy affects water. So when you're adding adding sound to we're seventy percent water, when we're affecting that with our voice, then we're moving everything and and definitely creating those beautiful patterns. If you sing an ah with it with gratitude in your heart and look at Masaru Emoto's beautiful image of love or his the beautiful image of water and gratitude, I always have it on my wall and I have it on our water underneath the sink love and gratitude then it it it's like you're you're creating that image with your own water molecules inside mm -hmm. it's so perfect yeah totally yeah i just and you and you encourage me to play you know and that's what i love about you i think the most is that you are still playing in in the creativity of it uh, even just today i love how animated and excited you are you never cease to amaze me <clears throat> so how did you get into, because I know you're a professional musician and then you moved, started playing into energy work. And so at what point did you, did you realize that sound could heal? Did you have a personal experience for yourself or was it just more through learning and, and different training? I think what really made it click in my head, Dixie, was a bunch of early experiments, probably in the 1990s, that I did with, with terrified adult students mm. that wanted to learn how to perform with more confidence. So I ordered every book on stage fright that I could find, and we found that the best exercise that worked, I, I organized performances in coffee shops and art galleries, so they were in public, but, but not in an audience situation. People were just there. And, and so we found that imagining a color was the most helpful exercise of all of the ones I found to distract the critical mind. Because whenever you are in a performing situation, and it's the same thing with speaking, you're, you're, you have this dance between the ego and the spirit, whereas the ego is up front saying, oh, I screwed that up. Oh, gee, here comes the hard part. Oh, man, how am I ever going to get to? I'm finally at the end. And boom, there's another mistake. You know, ego has this conversation going on while you're trying to perform. And I've been through this journey for years. And, and so we found imagining the color was really helpful. And the most interesting thing happened that every time we did it, somebody in the audience would come back and say something about a color. Uh, I, I, I chose in one whole performance, I chose one piece to imagine a color with, and my color was kind of a, a well, this, almost this, a lighter blue. And, uh, and then this lady came back after the concert and pointed to that piece on the program. And she said, Sharon, this piece was so beautiful. It made me imagine I was sitting by the ocean. The color of the water was so blue. And I think that comment from her got me asking the question, what on earth is it about music that makes it a carrier wave for thought? And so then I started in the research and then after that went to Jonathan Goldman and Tom Kenyon to study with some of the pioneers to really steep myself into, into the field. It's so powerful. So powerful. Well, and Tom Kenyon came to me oh, early in my, in my transition um, between, you know, leaving that corporate world and getting into more of the spiritual arts and yeah, and I think back to, you know, just his intention of, of what the sound that he's, because he works only with his voice. Um, and I had a, the most miraculous and amazing experiences with that. But yes, intention, I think intention behind anything carries. I know it to be true in marketing. I know it to be true in business. I know it to be true in music and sound. And, you know, it's always having a clear intention but i love what you talked about you know how to clear stage fright so tell me more about the healing of um or how how you're breaking through stage fright that was just bringing in more color like to help ground you and, and calm you or 
Well, managing stage fright is a process with that dance with the ego, right? Where the e you have to quiet down the voice of the ego and the critical mind. And so that's a process and a practice, which is why I kept, I kept, I kept having some of my students who were interested in seriously working on this. You don't get a chance to practice it unless you're in front of people. So I just kept si signing us up for art gallery openings and and for coffee shop performances with this noise and psh, you know all of that stuff in a coffee shop. And you think people aren't paying any attention to you, so you can play your music maybe a little more freely. It's, it's in managing the critical voice of the mind is what you have to do when you're managing stage fright. There are a lot of musical things with preparation of fingers and all of the musical preparation. But if the voice of the ego is in the way, it doesn't matter how much preparation you've had. You need some sort of way to quiet voice. Some people can kind of go to that place of connection with the heart that 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 even though the ego voice is there sometimes people will respond one of the one of the things whenever i've performed i've always listened for is when the audience is so silent when you're playing a piece that you can almost touch the silence it's like a pregnant silence it's alive and and when i hear and feel that silence i know that what i'm playing has touched their hearts and they're taken away from all of their problems and all of their grocery lists and they're 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 in the moment with the music so when i hear that and feel that i know yes <laughs> the dance is quiet. <laughs> it touched hearts. <laughs> I love that. I know. Well, I've, I've, as lots of people know, I've, and some may not, but I was in a band for a while too, and and I had severe stage fright when I first was starting out, and I literally couldn't leave my house. Like I would spend a whole day preparing to be on stage for the next day or that night or whatever it was. And my experience in music was very different than yours, where we were kind of like the gig, we play at the bars, you know, we kind of the same thing. A lot of people weren't really paying attention. So I never really got that, that true connection, felt that true connection with the audience. We were more entertainers in the background or, or whatever. Um, but I know for me, healing through music, uh, was huge and and I've played various different instruments as well but playing the bass even now like I still love the bass because it's very tribal it's very rooted it's very grounded um, and just that low bass but it's always it's always there there's always a bass tone or a bass line in every every bit of music and it's the one of the most important sounds that that are in um, any music composition, right? It's the foundation. It's the root, Dixie. Mm -hmm. That's you so much. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and I just love, I love because I can feel it. It's like this contained, um, this contained frequency and it, but it just goes, it like goes low and goes out and then comes up. That's how I always feel the bass. Uh, so to me, that's just, oh, that's so delicious. So, you know, just playing with, especially in the chakras, playing with the lower tones. Mm -hmm. um, I, I really loved being there, but now I'm actually really enjoying being in some of the upper and higher frequencies. So when you tell me a little bit more about when you, how did you connect, start connecting or realizing that the chakras um, had tones or sounds? Um, what introduced you to that? That was through Jonathan Goldman's teaching in the first place. I think before that, in some of my own research, that I had found the Bija mantras from the the traditions in India and um, hadn't really done any practice with them. Just was, it was more of a scholastic intent at that point and just information for me. When I attended Jonathan Goldman's events, and learn and we practice the chakra toning and well actually before then i had done it with his book too in his recordings and uh, then i started to feel how powerful that was is the actual experience of it and you know come to think of it dixie um 
even before then, I had bought, uh, I was introduced to chakras during my Reiki training. I had no idea about chakras and crystals and all that stuff before my Reiki training. So it was like an explosion in my head because <laughs> I've always spent so much of my life up here. Different now, mostly. <laughs> and and I had, so I started learning about chakras there and thought, hmm, interesting. Um, then I bought Chakra Chants by Jonathan Goldman. So that was before I went to study with him. And uh, our powerful, our son ha was in grade 11 at the time. I bought that and he ha often had stress showed up for him as a stomach ache. So I would, uh, one day I put the chakra chants on when he woke up saying, my stomach hurts so much I can't go to school. So I'd say, okay, go back up and lie down and I'm just going to put this recording on softly in the background. So it was his chakra chants. It had just come out and holy cow will came down about an hour later it's an hour cd saying i feel great now mom let's go let's let's go to school can you drive me to school so i went back and looked at the cd and bought his book <laughs> thought, how oh, how did that happen you know that was like whoa total shift in an hour while the music played for him yeah yeah, no, I think it's it's amazing. Well, and I think too, like Tom Kenyon for me was my first, um, and I just I just had, like I would listen to his music, uh, and his voice, and I would literally I would sleep, like I I would actually sleep for a couple of hours after listen or like he would knock me out while I was listening to it. So I knew that there was vibrations, there was definitely some shifting in my body. Um, and then I think too, you know, even just being aware, so working with you, cause I, I've been, I'm a Reiki master and teacher. I've been teaching for a long time. Um, but I never put sound to the chakras until I actually met you. And I was just like, oh, that is such an intriguing perspective. And, and especially helping women find their voice where I actually call it the inner girl. So we do a bit more of a, a deeper, you know, that tribal sound, you know, going deep into the root chakra and then bringing the sound out um, through the voice. And sometimes we get really low. So we use the body to actually move the sound. Awesome. Um, and I was doing that kind of before I met you. I just realized that there needed to be some some opening there. And then aligning the chakras or, or the, t the tones and the, and the sounds in conjunction with the chakras really started to move energy in a much, much bigger way. Very, very cool. So thank you for that. Um, so tell me a little bit more. So do you have any other mentors uh, besides Jonathan Goldman or anyone else who really helped you move more into this direction of sound therapy? I think they were the main mentors, Jonathan Goldman and Tom Kenyon, and many I was inspired by by their writings um don campbell also has brilliant books joshua leeds also many of the pioneers um john Beaulieu also very inspiring as far as the work all of them have done to bring sound into a whole new level i i think as far as a teacher one of the ones that pushed me a little more was before i really formally started studying sound. I was in a shamanic program that was another string of synchronicities I never would have chosen if they hadn't been such strong synchronicities. I really needed to be there um, because it helped me move beyond a lot of my own personal issues, delving deep into myself and the changes I need to be made, made needed to be made in me so I could begin to study sound. Mm -hmm. uh, and the one teacher I respected so much in that group was one who who would push, you know, push you just far enough so that that you would start to question your ways of thinking. Yeah. And so what were some of the questions that you were being prompted with? The, some of the, well, the biggest question she asked me after I was in that program for about 
four to five years. Mm -hmm. And um, so it was deep work for a long time. I needed it, <laughs> which is okay. Uh, it was tremendous learning and I'm so, so, so grateful. She, on the last day, actually, I was part of that program and community. She, uh, she said, why haven't you decided to apprentice yet? I had to decide. I had a big decision with that group to continue on for the next number of years. It's a 15-year training, I guess, more of a traditional shamanic training, a long training. And I was hesitating about it and because I was starting to do more research in sound and starting to have some sounds come through me. My first CD was one of them. And so she said, well, why, what, what are you, what, what's going on with you? Why aren't you going to continue? And I asked her, well, what teachings do you have in the advanced training about sound? Because my soul is, is moving me towards sound. Mm -hmm. And she said, not much. And so I said, then I, I cannot continue with the program. So just told her right there that um, it's, uh, I have to, I have to stop this and then go. And it was at that point where I had to choose either go to Jonathan Goldman or stay in this program. Mm -hmm. And so that's when I made that decision. Mm -hmm. Been back to see her a couple of times for personal coaching sessions that I, I adored. Um, really inspiring woman, very inspiring woman for me. Very strong, very real. Right. Yeah. I've noticed, well, just in our conversations, like music has always been a constant throughout your whole, your whole career and your whole life. Have you ever had any like major turning points where you really had to do a 360 um, shift in life or business? That would probably be in my 20s, Dixie, when I, I was teaching public school in Northern Ontario and not doing well at it. I love children. I've always been known I need to be a teacher and I was failing at it miserably. And so my heart hurt a lot. While I was there, I was a part of the community choir because I'd always been singing and in choirs and I had had a year and a half of guitar lessons. And so I, I had had one year of university and then went to teacher's college back in the dark ages. You didn't have to have the degree yet. So anyway, I had to work towards it and took summer courses. And I decided one year to take a summer course in music. And, um, and I, it lit a fire under me lit a fire under me and I loved it. It was music history at university, first year course. And so I went to one of the professors in the music department at Queens. This was in Queens University in Kingston and said, what do I have to do to get into this program? And he said, well, you need grade eight guitar. You need grade two theory. You need this and this. And I said, okay. <laughs> and went back to my teaching job that I was failing at and uh, grateful that I was able to hang on there another two years because it took me two years to get the entrance requirements to enter the music program to have guitar lessons because we're in a tiny town in North Northern Ontario. I called the Royal Conservator and I said, where's the nearest teacher? who could teach me grade eight guitar. And they said, well, this fellow in Sault Ste. Marie, and they gave me his phone number. Well, that was an eight hour drive from where I lived and I had no car. So I would get on the bus Friday night, about 10 o'clock all night on the bus, have my lesson Saturday morning, and then go back to the bus depot, hang around all day, hop on the bus Saturday night, all night on the bus back to my little town. And I did that for two years. Mm -hmm. I did the grade eight exam at the end of those two years, barely passed, <laughs> but I passed and I got most of the theory and piano requirements and was accepted into Queens. So what was my worst failure knowing that I was to be a teacher and I was failing at it miserably helped me at that point to create a string of synchronicities that 
helped me find what really lit the fire under me, which was advanced music study at that time. So I was the first guitar major to be accepted into Queens. They had no idea what to do to me with me. So I had to drive from Queens to Toronto, three hour drive every couple of weeks, just take lessons in Toronto, which turned out great because I had a spectacular teacher there. Um, and so it was a lot of, a lot of, um, starting with quite a disadvantage with not being older than everybody else, not having the years of music training everybody else had. I had two years of rushed, just getting entrance requirements. And so I had a lot of catch up to do, but I loved it. That, that really planted my feet in music for many years. And then it was the sound work that shifted later. Powerful. I just love your dedication because I see it even now. And I just love, I love hearing that. I've heard that story many times, but I still love hearing it. Because <laughs> um, it just inspires me, you know, and I think we get caught up in, I want things right now, but there are, you know, you have to give yourself time frames, And I think you have to give yourself, you know, be fully dedicated because I try to do that in my life too, where okay, how much time can I dedicate to this, this focus? Um, and sometimes it feels like, you know, there's too many things that we need to do, but I think at any age, you know, I, and you've proven that, that you can do anything at any age, um, including, you know, starting a brand new business at 50, you know, starting. Actually, it was more like 60. <laughs> um, you know, and doing, and even since then, like I, since I've known you, you guys have created very different um, programs within and you just keep going, but the dedication, um, where do you feel, where did that dedication come from? Because that's one of the biggest things I admire about you is you're always consistent. Every time I see you, you're consistent. Every time we get together, you're always consistent. We start the same time and it never seems to phase you. You know, sometimes I'm like, oh, I've said that. I, I feel like I'm repeating, repeating, repeating. And yet, you know, it's, it's important because like the metronome, you know, you need that one, two, three, four. And I always kind of hear that whenever I'm with you, I'm like, oh, there's Sharon. She's that steady, that steady pace. <laughs> oh gosh, Dixie, bless your heart. Thank you. Um, I don't know. Maybe part of it is type A personality. <laughs> maybe it's more of the lighter side of the type A personality. When I say I'm going to do something, I like to do it. Mm -hmm. And I that may have gone way back from childhood too. It's always been a always been a determined person. I pioneered so many things. And one of the things, one of the great gifts I think music gave me, is it takes music is not a, an instant study. It is a study that takes years and years and years and years of cumulative work. Mm -hmm. So that takes perseverance and creativity and stubbornness and downright, okay, I've got to do, you know, all of those things that help to reinforce those characteristics. And my heart sang, though, when I played music, I just had to do all of this stuff so that my heart would sing. <laughs> And um, I don't know, your heart, the heart just knows. The heart just knows. We just don't listen to it. We listen to this. I did this so many times. And when my heart went on fire taking that music course, it, there was just no, no question. Mm -hmm. This is what I'm supposed to do. Is there anybody else in your family that has quite the musical talent that you have or even nope. of it? No. My grandmother had an amazing voice, yeah. but no, not really. It was um, starting very late and, and then just the fire was lit and I had to figure out how to, I played the guitar for a, a year and a half, you know, in lessons. So <laughs> I had to figure out how to de develop skill on it quickly. But yeah, and I guess with everything else, that promise to the universe that, that I would walk my soul's journey is partly it's it's a commitment that I made to my soul that's a powerful promise mm -hmm. and I feel it in my heart when I don't 
when I don't follow or don't honor that promise. Mm -hmm. So partly that keeps me committed. Even the toning on Sunday nights, there are so many people who come to that now from all over the world that join our little toning circle on Facebook on Sunday nights. And I've been doing this every week for five years. Yeah. And I think I've taken three Sundays off. Yeah. <laughs> <That's>, again, <laughs> it inspires me. I'm just like, man, she just goes. Even when she's sick, she's still there. I just, I love Yeah, I just told everybody else to sing. <clears throat> but you show up consistently all the time and you know and that truly is one of the deepest things that I admire about you because you've shown up for me personally um in ways that I can't even describe and I just so deeply appreciate that about you thank you um so we're coming up to the end of our time is there anything else that you would love to share um we've covered a lot today and I just I, I'm so grateful and I just love how the conversation unfolded um, any any last thoughts or anything even just to you know inspire people to be persistent and to be consistent um, in their life any last thoughts listen to your heart because it knows we tend to listen to our heads but listen to the heart because it will guide you uh, and as far as sound is concerned, become aware of the sound around you because all of the sound around you is moving your molecules. And some of the sound is not appropriate for moving your molecules, though it is, and some of it is appropriate. So raise your awareness, grow your awareness with that, and always listen to your heart. Your heart knows always listen to your heart it's so true i always say that too always listen to your heart your heart knows exactly where you need to be and where you need to go and i love you know the soul's commitment and that's such a, a beautiful reminder because i know that's a lot of the reason why i do my work is that um my awakening a little bit later in life as well and it's so important just to keep showing up and just to keep doing the work um, and we're so needed, you know, both you, Sharon, um, the healers, the, the coaches, the, um, the people who are making a difference in the world. We're, we are so needed more than ever right now. So thank you so much for all of your wisdom. I just so appreciate you from the bottom of my heart. Um, and I'll be sharing some of uh, some ways to get in touch with Sharon. I think um, there's also you had you're, you're going to be gifting um, one of your. I know we talked about a couple which one feels in alignment that you'd like to gift out Sharon <clears throat> reset has been in alignment quite strongly lately Dixie this is a track I made in 2009 with the H1N1 virus scare and pandemic at that time because there was so much fear in Calgary that I created a 12-minute track I called reset mm. and it um, it has the most powerful healing sounds I know to help shift the vibration from fear and, and scarcity at the time at the moment for grocery empty grocery store shelves mm -hmm. to strength and boosting the immune system sound is immensely powerful for boosting the immune system mm -hmm. i totally agree um so yes what a beautiful gift i've listened to it many times myself i love the reset um so we'll be posting uh, a link just in the bottom of the show notes um so that you can follow along with sharon and and stay connected with her so you know thank you again thank you again i always love our time together and it always goes by so fast um to our viewers thanks for watching i hope you found some value and i would love to invite you um, to continue the conversation, please post in the comments below what inspired you and please share it out to your community so that we can continue to bring hope, light, and love to the world. Until next time, abundant love to you all. Thank you.